So, Frank, it's good to see you. How are you today? Hey, Brad, I'm all right. How about you? Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself that maybe one of the areas that are really challenging right now for people, whether we're leading, whether we're managing, whether we're homeworking in virtual teams, all of a sudden, everybody's working from home. And the kind of pressures that puts on us either to feel constantly visible, like we're doing something. What's your take on how leaders need to start adjusting their behavior when all of a sudden the whole team is virtual and doesn't really know which way to turn? What are you experiencing and seeing? Help us unpick this a little bit. Yeah, that's, um, so I've actually been, you know, personally been leading, working from home or traveling, but never really in the last couple of years had to commute into an office every day. So I know something about, you know, working from home. But I think it's important to realize that this is even different now because versus the working from home that we still had last year, you know, where we were probably during the day even alone in the house and had our office. Now, all of a sudden, because also the schools have closed and the kindergartens aren't open, um, you have, you know, not just what you may have had before, your dog somewhere in the house. Now it's also the kids. Now it's also maybe, I don't know, the grandmother that started to live with you because she's afraid to live alone at the moment. And, and maybe have someone who's sick, uh, which would be, of course, the worst part that you also have to take care of uh, right now. So it is much harder than it even was before. And this requires, um, from a leadership perspective, a... Um, a lot of thought, you know, a lot of empathy also for the situation that everybody is in. And um, so, first of all, it's not just about, um, it's not just about, you know, being very accessible and being um, empathetic. You're still also a leader that has to deliver a certain kind of result. So that still exists. It, it, it doesn't go away, but the way you have to do this changes a lot. So whether you know with someone in the office, for those um, who are listening who aren't are not used to not being in the office with uh, with their associates, um, it doesn't change now that you're in different locations. The fact that you still have to be someone that actually leads with uh, with vision. Uh, somebody that actually connects uh, others, that encourages and supports associates to become efficient uh, in, in what they do and that they enjoy their work. So that, that doesn't change, but how you have to do that changes, right? So this for me is the, is the real question, right? So you talk about this idea of, of we still need to lead in the purest form. How do we make sure then as leaders that we are able to kind of focus on the people when we don't get to see them? Yes, so a few things change in the assumptions that you may have you know, made in the past. So first of all, for, you just have to realize first that for everyone that is your associates but also your peers, um, that the way they are working right now is very new to them. Um, they have many elements that stress them about working from home. 
We'll talk about some of those later, I'm sure. Um, so what you need to do definitely is you need to make more, you know, a disproportionate amount of more time for connecting with the people than you may have done before. Because before you may have just assumed that when somebody walks in the office, they're fine. Um, you know that the next eight hours or so are dedicated to being with you in that company and working together. Now, that's not necessarily the case anymore. You can't just, you know, walk by someone's desk literally now and um, say hey how are you how's your day and just get a feel about if everything's all right with them so you need to dedicate some extra time um, to actually having some one-on-one -on -one connections with people and uh, requires also you to really sharpen your listening skills also your conversation skills doing that i think the lack of co-location now and the hyper connectivity we have in this digital world that we live in can really enable us to create different forms of virtual communication so i know as a leader when i'm listening to you there i'm thinking ah, okay actually as a leader of a team myself who's always worked virtually we have virtual communications that are about performance we right. have virtual communications which are just about hey how are you um, we have virtual communications which are about Hey, shall we just have lunch together and sit on the screen while we eat and chat about the football last night? Um, although not at the moment, no sport. Um, and then maybe even social hangouts for the team. We have so many opportunities and I'm noticing every day on LinkedIn, people are posting pictures, right, of Zoom and blue jeans meetings with, you know, 25 different uh, camera angles of everybody meeting up and having their, their morning meeting. And maybe part of this lack of co-connection co-location gives us the chance to your point to be even more deliberate about our communication so that every time we talk it doesn't have to be about a performance thing it doesn't have to be about a results driven topic it might be a hey frank let's have a chat tomorrow three o'clock same time same place we'll have our little 10 minute break and we have a coffee break together yes and that and that really just brings me to the, to the point where I'm saying, somehow you have to find a way for those people, and there are many of those, who thrive on connection. Yeah. The connection that they usually have in the, in the office every day, that's no longer there, um, this will feel very weird for them. So you need to somehow find ways to substitute that experience with something else, which is not exactly the same, of course, as if you were really walking by someone's desk, bring them a coffee because you're a nice person and then say, hey, how are you? And what happened? You know, what did you do last evening? Something like that. But you can still, with almost zero effort, at least say good morning to everyone every day, you know, and just make them feel that you're, you know, you're with them in there, you know, on that day. They're not alone. They may, may feel like I'm alone what am I doing here right now? And this feels very strange, but if, you know, it starts with that, you know, maybe as a leader, you really say good morning. And you can do this in a chat uh, that you have. Hopefully you have a group chat by now um, <clears throat> or in some other way. But the important thing is that you say, hey, I'm there. I'm also there for you all the time. So if anything, things up, just, you know, text me, but you don't wait for it, you do it, you know? Um, not in the sense of micromanaging, 
That's yeah. not what I mean. This was the pivot I was going to ask you. How do you make yeah. sure you get the balance between, hey, how are you doing? And, hey, my boss keeps checking with me how I'm doing. What, what are they really asking, right? Yeah, right, right. You know, I think here's the thing. Of course, there's a, everybody is a little bit different. And some people need, uh, you know, need some attention on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And other people, for, it, this is disturbing for them somehow. It's irritating. And I think you need to apply some empathy in feeling that out. You know, feeling that out with someone. If you're not sure, you can actually ask. You can actually ask, hey, I'd really like to check in with you. Um, just, just to connect, it makes me also feel good that I know that, that you're still there. But um, honestly, I want to know if that's something that annoys you or stresses you. Just tell me it's okay. I can, you know, reduce or increase that so that it feels comfortable for both of us. Why not? I quite like the idea that as leaders stepping away, it's less about how our team are doing things. It's just about the fact that we let them know we're interested in what they get done, not how they're going about doing it. And I think for me, that's always been the balance that I strive for, that they know, listen, we're still being measured, right? There are still results. But every time I call, it's not to say, what have you been up to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's probably well-intended to say, hey, what have you been up to in the last... 22 minutes <laughs> since we last spoke. <laughs> That's probably going to be terrible. You need to learn to ask, you know, to connect differently. There's some small talk skills that if you don't possess them right now, it's a fantastic opportunity for you to actually develop yourself into making a connection that, that, feels, um, that feels good versus, you know, stressful for, for the other person. Uh, it's also an amazing opportunity right now for people who tend to micromanage and you know when you're when you tend to micromanage if you're really honest with yourself so if you feel you have to be in control of everything make a make a, a cross where under micromanager for yourself and so this is a fantastic opportunity for them to develop themselves away from micromanaging because in this situation the only efficient way for you to manage a team and make sure that you have results is that you need to think about and align um, key objectives and key results. That's, that's what you need to lead by. You need to, because you cannot control someone anymore, you shouldn't in the first place all the time. Um, but if that's what you've been doing, you need to have very clear objectives and key results that you agree with the associate and say, this is the outcome I need. I'm here for your help. If you need any help, but I need you to drive to this result. And in turn, I'm not gonna beat down your neck. You're so right, Frank, I couldn't agree with you more. If you have the need to control, then virtual and remote leadership, you're gonna fail. We as leaders, I believe, we have to lean into trust and not control in this moment. Even though we'll feel as though the lack of connection, the disconnection, the being so distant from our team makes us feel like we should have more control. Actually, we need to, and the phrase I would use is, lean into trust. Mm-hmm. Good one. And not in control. And it, for me, what really resonates is when you're saying we need to align those objectives so we have absolute clarity in what we're communicating on. 
and then step back and let them deliver. Actually, yeah. how enabling would it be for them if we do just step back and let them deliver? I mean, that's a great feeling. I think it's a great feeling. I, but, but, you know, then again, just a slight um, caveat here is um, some people need this and want this to be working very independently towards their objectives. And they trust it's fine if they reach their objective. And other people need more confirmation on that path in frequent intervals. You know, so you really have to feel out if someone needs you checking in, you know, clapping on the shoulder for milestones achieved and so on, versus someone else would say, this is too much, Frank. You know, this is, uh, and you have to feel that out a little. But in principle, you're absolutely right. This is a really good opportunity right now. And it's for us to not be passive with our communication. We need to be prompt with it. We need to make sure everybody gets the same communication. But, you know, we are measuring outcomes ultimately. You know, people aren't on holiday, but what we don't want is when people are working from home, there's this feeling, or at least I sense there's this feeling that people suddenly think they need to be online all the time. They need to be visible all the time. And actually, when you work from home all the time, which is what we're all having to do right now, work and home life become a little bit blurred. And you end up maybe starting a bit later in the day or maybe a bit earlier and working a bit later. And suddenly you don't have the commute, so you're doing a little bit more. We as managers and leaders need to be mindful of the impact on the mental well-being of our people if they have this sense but as their leader, we expect them to be 24-7 visible. So true. This, this point is one of the most, um, how do you say, the most important ones in this, in this moment for leaders to recognize that everyone associates, and you as a leader, probably yourself also, you find yourself working even more because you feel there's this expectation on you because, that you're not commuting so you could actually you know work on that project right now well it's eight o'clock in the evening but you don't have anything better to do so maybe you should be continuing to work on that project and so on i think it's not avoidable brad that that there's that the lines blur a little bit between the private life and the work life in this particular situation but there has to be a decent amount of space for both. And as a leader, it is not enough, even if you even have that realization, it's not enough to tell your people, make sure that uh, you still have enough room in your private life, and at the same time, show a completely different behavior yourself. Because if I keep sending emails at 11 at night mm -hmm. to my associates, what story am I telling them? Right? Oh, what do you yeah. think? Yeah, for sure, right? Or on Sunday evening when you're getting ready for your week and you send out a message to everybody. Um, I've noticed some people now, they put on their email signature, don't they? If uh, this is reaching you during non-working hours, please don't feel the need to respond. Yeah, and actually that is, um, that is the minimum best practice that you can do. If you really have to do this, if you know that, I don't know, I, get, I was late with the project, I have to work on Sunday, on it that's on you 
And you, the minimum that you need to do is make sure that um, that you're clear in the message. This is saying, I'm sending this out now. I'd expect zero reaction from anyone until Monday morning. That's, that's the minimum that you could do. But it would also be healthy for yourself as a leader to make sure that you, you know, organize yourself in a way that that doesn't happen because you need the breaks too. And how ironic is it if you're then asking your team to factor in some life-work balance to their day and you're emailing them at 11 o'clock, four nights a week. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Check in on how their day has been. But that Frank, is not very believable. You, talk, uh, you, you were saying how you know, leadership really matters today even more and the location doesn't. But I'm wondering, how does a leader who has control needs how do they step away and lean into this more trusting, um, communicative approach that, that we're discussing here? How would you recommend they step away from the tight control, the, the micromanagement? Uh, what does your experience tell that can help here? So first of all, I think it's very tough <clears throat> for, for a lot of people to change, change that way because when you think about this, when somebody is micromanaging, why are they even doing this? Um, I would say in many cases, it is just simply because they have a lot of insecurities and feel a lot of pressure, maybe imaginary, but maybe real, about uh, the performance and the outcomes. And they have never you know, learned to you know, work, build on trust, also to test trust even to begin with. And um, so changing that, is very hard for some you know micromanaging leaders i think if you're one of them right now and you're listening you you, you know you, because you're smart you know that you shouldn't be doing this as much as you do right you have that awareness but you're still continuing to do it because you're actually afraid of something so um it's it would be easy now for me to say and i think i say it it's the right way to say really sit down a little and think on a department basis on an associate basis what is what are the the um, objectives and the key results that me my department that i have to bring for my peers in my company and talk with the associates align with them on it so they understand make sure that they have all the tools necessary to actually achieve those objectives and bring those results and so on and so forth. You know that you have to do this. But you need to start with working on, you know, somehow doing it despite you're afraid of the failure. This is, I'm sure this is a hard part. You also must have experience with this, with your clients. I, I think that for me, this, this concept of being able to listen to our people, so being really prompt with our communication, making sure that we're communicating to the whole team because you know, we're talking as if we're just managing one person. Most of us, if we're leading a team, it's more than one person. So we need to be consistent in that behavior. Uh, for me, the trust thing is massive. To learn to lean into this trust concept and move away from the control, the, the, the micromanagement. If we ask anybody, how do you like to be managed at interview? No one would ever say, oh, I love to be micromanaged. Please micromanage me. No, no one would ever say this, right? No. <laughs> so, I don't think so. <laughs> so if I can take 
what I know, which is no one really likes it, and recognize through aligning, and this is referencing what you said earlier, aligning our outcome with what we're trying to do and give that person the freedom, then what I'm doing is I'm enabling them to act. And, and for me, this is leadership in today's world. Can I enable others to act whilst encouraging them to be the best that they can be? And it's this enablement and encouragement which I think plays a much stronger role now for leaders in a world where everybody in the team is stuck at home. That's with right. all the pressures that go with the whole family being at home, not just me. That's right. And uh, people tend to forget the, in, the enablement part when they think about, um, all right, so let's set objectives and define results. It, you will probably fail or you will win on the expense of the health of your associates. If you just say to someone, here's your objective, this is the result you need to bring. If that's all of the conversation, you suck. Because what you actually have to do is you have to speak with your associate. You don't know all the context of you know, what may be possible or what not you know, to a certain point. You may have some idea you know, to a certain degree of what's really going on, where the difficulties are, where you know, in a project or something like that. You need to say, you need to have a conversation with your associate and say, actually, you need to say, I need to find out together with you if it is possible for us to get to this outcome and this result in this particular time frame. What do you think? If, if, what are the you know, difficulties that you foresee? Um, do you have the time based on the other priorities that I gave you or the expectations that others have on you? Do you have the tools? Do you have the budget? Do you have the teaming? Do you have the contacts? Do you have the influence? And if not, in which pieces, you know, in which parts can I actually help you clear the way so that you confidently can say, yep, Brad, Frank, um, I accept this objective. I can bring this result. So, and if you don't have that conversation, right. you suck. So well, I think that you've landed on something there which I think is really important. Oh. And it's the role of the leader to remove obstacles. If you put obstacles in their way, then this is your version of the, the manager that sucks. Our job is to create simplicity out of complexity and to remove the obstacles that create that simplicity. And it's those leaders that probably are not as many as those of us that perhaps get sucked in <laughs> to the micromanagement. We say we're not, but actually we are. And we're a perfectionist, so it needs to be done this way. And actually, it's really important that this gets done by quarter end, so hurry up and do this. And we think we're not, but actually we are. And you said before, you know, put a tick under the word control. If you're a micromanager, maybe people listening to this can recognize that it's a mindset that can help shift the impact we have as leaders on our team. So That's not right. about the micromanagement, the control. It's actually about challenging the process so that we can enable others to act. And for me, that's, that's walking, living leadership, right there. That's, uh, I completely agree. Um, and in, this, in the current situation where 
where everything is even harder, it's even more important to do this. Right. It's, it's even more important. And that's actually, I think, why we need to talk about this in this particular episode, because we want to look at, you know, leadership in the context of, um, you know, this, this whole corona crisis and the way we have to work now. It's, it's important to have the awareness that it's just that the leadership challenge just got harder. It didn't change per se, but it's got harder, you know? And Frank, if you could kind of summarize the key steps for a leader to take on this new challenge, what does that look like for you? What are kind of crystallizing the leadership challenge? What do we need to be mindful of, be aware of, to make sure we don't walk blindly into this challenge and, and fail? Yeah, well, first of all, it's, uh, you have to deploy empathy so that you are in the right mindset to focus on people first. It doesn't mean that you forget about the business, but you need to, in this, in this moment, you need to put the people first. The people, they, their enablement and understanding for this situation, uh, make sure that you have uh, some resemblance of you know, socializing uh, still in place. Um, you need to be very mindful also about your communication. If I write you an email, we, everybody knows this, but now everybody either writes an email or is in a video webcast, is um, the, the communication can really screw up a lot of things if you don't have any of the, of the clues, of the audio clues, of the visual clues, of the body language or something like that. You can greatly, greatly irritate people with a badly written sentence right. in this time. Generally, and in this time, it's even more. <clears throat> so that's, that's a big one. So you need to inject nuance and clarity into your communication. And at the same time, because you're an enabler of people, you also need to speak with your <coughs> about that subject, about actually making sure that everybody pays attention to the nuance and the clarity in their communication. It's not just for because then it's nicer, it's also more efficient in the end. Um, listening. Uh, is a really, really big one. You need to learn to listen um, to all kinds of things, work-related things about a project that's not really going as, as good as you were hoping to. Don't go to your associate and say you have to work faster or more. Listen first. You always have to listen first. If you, you know, when your mouth is open, your brain is closed. You need to listen. Right? Oh, that's a similar saying like that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so the, then the micromanagement, of course, is something that you need to avoid. You need to work based on objectives and key results that you figure out you need in the context of the strategy of the company that you work with, but you need to align it with your team. And if you find out that, the, let's say, the majority of your team says to you, as a, as a follow-up from those conversations, I don't have the tools, I don't have the empowerment or whatever, it is your job to then go up the hierarchy or go to your peers or whatever and, and clear the way, right? So that's, uh, that's not new, but it, it's, it's now more important because you get less clues, you get less information uh, while everybody's working from home. The biggest one is probably, no, I'm not sure, I don't want to rank these things, but a really big one is also um, 
uh, avoiding the always on pressure. This, the implied one. We talked about this a little bit earlier. I think this is a really big point. Um, the always on pressure and the, um, how do you say, the, 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 the workplace pressure. You know, as we said, the, the dog, the kids playing hide and seek, your, your grandmom making herself a coffee uh, in the background because now she's living with you or something like that. This gives people, again, gives them anxieties about, oh my God, what is my boss going to think of me? You appear in some sort of you know, non-perfect way in that moment, in that camera, like you don't have your household under control or something like that. You don't know what, what story you're going to tell yourself about that. While at the same time, most people will actually be able to empathize a lot with that because now everybody, almost everybody's in the same situation. Right. So, but if you're not in the same situation, uh, as a leader, as a manager, you, you, need to, you need to just understand that other people are. So you need to stop judging. You don't, you don't even, you're not even allowed to give them a strange look over the camera, you know, or, or, or make, uh, you know, some mean comment about something that's happening in the background. At the same time, we also need to be really understanding. Sometimes, if, if I want to talk with you now, Brad, and let's say we had an appointment and we wanted to talk through, you know, some elements of the project. You and I are working together and something isn't working in your home right now, you know, right? Your, your sick kid is crying or something like that. Um, I need to be okay with saying, Brad, let's, let's talk later. Let's hang up. Right? So that's a really big one. And um, uh, what else? Yeah, judging the appearances, it's also something. I'm deliberately today, I'm not wearing my black shirt, which I could usually also wear in an office. I'm wearing my hoodie. I, that's, that's just how I would, you know, want to dress privately. I'm not walking in my suit in my, my apartment all the time. It's non-practical, yeah. right? So now, because I'm wearing a hoodie now and not a, not a proper shirt, am I less smart? Am I less, what I'm doing is less valuable or am I um, getting worse results from, you know, what I'm wearing uh, right now? I wouldn't think so. And, uh, but we judge people. We judge people a lot about, uh, you know, how they actually, what their appearance is. Now we get to see them a lot uh, on how they really are. You know, dressing, but not how they really are. It's just, this is two completely different things. And I think you're right there, right? Because I'm not sure you should be maybe running your meeting in your pajamas from your bedroom, but what you're wearing sitting at your table or your desk, I, I've never really thought has mattered. I, I know I like to wear shorts at home so I can have a smart shirt on top and, you know, like the, the newsreaders, <laughs> yeah. the shorts underneath. But what I like about what you're saying here, if I can summarize it is, there's a lot of focus on people. It's about having the empathy around not just the people, but how you communicate with them, when you communicate with them, how you inject, you said, inject clarity and nuance into the communication that you have so that you can align outcomes, which are measurable, yes, 
but you're there to enable and empower and reduce the stress. So it's not about being online 24 seven. Actually, it's about when is the best time for you to get the job done? Right. And how can I, as your leader, flex around you? And I love the thought of that. If, if I take anything away from this conversation, it's about how do I listen more, talk less, but listen more so I can flex around you, my team member, and for me, that's what sums up this idea of leaning into the trust piece and stepping away from the control. It's about me really putting you first and all the other members of the team to make sure the results get achieved, but they get achieved in a way that it's still healthy for your mental and physical well-being whilst we're stuck at home. And maybe it will shift again as we move through this process. Maybe when we come back into offices, we'll need to relook again at what the leadership challenge becomes. But right now, I think you've given us a really nice kind of four or five pointers to how as leaders, we need to just step up another notch, another level to create the space for people to succeed at a time when they're doing things they've not done before. I like the thought of that little summary, Frank. That was great. <laughs> Good. If I may add one thing, we didn't touch on that just briefly, and um, we don't want to take too long on this one. But um, I think we also have to be aware for, for ourselves as a leader, but also definitely for our associates. This, this situation from a business perspective very often brings also a lot of challenges and problems with it. So the, the way you've been doing things out of sudden doesn't work so well anymore. So you can get... Um, how do you say, afraid of maybe that you're not reaching your quotas or you're not doing the production that you wanted to or whatever your business really is. Um, so I think as a leader now, it is also important to lead with thinking in opportunity and not in problem, in opportunity that this, that this you know, situation brings. So encourage associates to think really hard about, you know, how can I you know, what could I do that provides value to my clients right now that helps them actually make the most out of this difficult situation? And if you have, you know, if, if you have something like that in mind, you'll actually reconnect with what your clients at the moment actually have as a, as a priority pain point. And this is actually how you can, you know, you have to think opportunity, not problem. Um, at least not top of mind. Okay, so that's why I would like to add, you know, as a leader, you can encourage this kind of thinking. Maybe that's a, a natural resting point, Frank, as a finish, because it invites everyone to not just take the summary of where the leadership challenge is, it's like the leadership challenge plus. Plus, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. That's the advanced version then, Brad. <laughs> the next series. Okay, <laughs> super. All right, let's pause it there, yeah? Yeah. All right, Red. It was good talk. Thank you.